Man, do we have a lot of stuff coming up for you on the program today. We've got, of course, the football schedule. We've got baseball beginning today. It's season. You'll hear from Billy Mole, and we'll preview all three opponents. We'll preview all four opponents, and man, are they tough for the USF softball team. I knew they had a very strong group of foes this weekend over in Clearwater, but after doing more research, yikes. As we've said, if the Bulls can go 3-1 and one against this bunch, they'll definitely be in the rankings. I would have to say maybe in the top 20, forget the top 25 after what I've seen. In fact, the lowest-ranked team, the unranked team of the four, beat UCF yesterday 9-1, to one, just to give you an idea. We'll give you more details coming up here shortly. We'll also preview a full weekend of other sports, including sailing, as well as tennis. And yes, we'll recap last night's men's basketball defeat to East Carolina. The three-point shooting has been fixed, and it's still not leading to wins. That is the long and the short of it. You'll hear a little bit from Brian Gregory as well. We'll also end the hour with a longer, about a 10-minute version of Around the American, because there's so much going on. You think we're playing a lot of softball games? Well, pretty much everyone in the league is doing it and has been doing it. Basketball has already seen a couple of notable results since the middle of the week. Just a ton to get to. So let's start off. And as I said, the football schedule has been released. And honestly, we knew who the Bulls' opponents were going to be. And there have been no game times released. You just know now the dates and the order of which the contest will fall. And it's interesting enough that the Bulls will start off against East Carolina at home. Now, their non-conference this season is a home contest with BYU to start things off September the 3rd. And they'll play Howard the following Saturday, then go to Gainesville September the 17th and to Louisville on the road September the 24th. So they don't have three road games in a row, which is a good deal. They'll start off against East Carolina, but that's a team they usually play right in the middle of the schedule. And then a team that they usually have been playing towards the end, now they move up. Of course, that is the powerhouse Cincinnati. That'll be the second game, and that'll be a trip to Cincy October the 8th. Tulane will be coming to Raymond James Stadium October the 15th. Basically, all of these games are on Saturdays, except for the one that we already knew was going to be prime time on a Friday night. We'll get there in a second. Bulls get a bye week and then two on the road, so they will be away from home for basically a month. Don't know if I like that, but they go to Houston October the 29th and to Temple the following Saturday. Then they are back at home against SMU November the 12th. That Friday night game is a road game at Tulsa. So for those of you who don't like the Friday night home games, you're not going to have one unless it's the Warren I-4. And we don't know that yet. You would have just assumed it would have been Black Friday, November the 25th. But the league has actually made that a TBD. In other words, two other games could be in that Friday slot. One of them will be. The other two possibilities are Cincinnati Tulane or Tulsa Houston, if you're a little confused. Funny enough, Michael Kelly was on with Jim Lighthall at halftime of the basketball game last night. Yeah, that's a good question because people undoubtedly have questions about that. So there's a basically a flex that ESPN has the opportunity for this year, similar to what you kind of see in the NFL programming where they a couple weeks out they can decide if the game's on Sunday night or whatever. So there's four games in the American that are kind of on this hold so that by on October the 3rd they will determine whether they're going to be in the Friday window they have left for the American or on one of the three linear windows they have on Saturday for the Americans. So we'll know on October 3rd if it's the Friday or the Saturday that we'll host UCF. But beyond that one, uh, we are relieved that, uh, you know, I know our fans uh, prefer not to play on weekdays when possible at home, and we don't have any other, uh, you know, home weekday games, which is nice. We do play one at Tulsa, but uh, obviously that won't be an inconvenience to our fans. It's, uh, it's a good game. It's, it's good for ratings and a good opportunity for us. But 
I don't really mind if it's because even if it's not on Friday, where you might have had a more of a standalone deal on, on Saturday, we're going to get a good good window. The other unique factor here at play is that on Friday, when the ACC announced their schedule, Florida is playing at Florida State on uh, Friday night. So maybe okay. from a matter of recruits coming to the game, and maybe in a matter of uh, other fans watching, it might be just as good to not be on the same day. But we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Ah, that point, that last point, definitely had escaped me. I did not know that. Florida FSU was on a Friday night, and he does make an excellent point about recruiting and that kind of thing. So I know it seems weird that it wouldn't be on a Friday, but what the heck, maybe Saturday will work out better. And I know from a personal standpoint, just the way that the schedule has worked out with women's basketball, we have been in Thanksgiving tournaments that basically preclude me from being back on Black Friday at all. I have not actually been part of a War on I-4 football broadcast, as far as the actual broadcast, now I've helped set it up, pre-record a lot of stuff, do all the commercials, get all that stuff lined up. But when we hit the air, I've been with women's basketball for every single War on I-4. So, hey, maybe if they can play it on Saturday just for me. Now, it is strange that normally when you have a flex like that, it's going to be a 10-day window. They're going to have it set by October the 3rd, which is almost two months in advance. I don't know. Anyway, that's how that's going to work out. I do know how it's going to work out this weekend. We'll have three games live for you on USF Bulls Unlimited with baseball every single day. Starting off today at 6 o'clock, our pregame show is 15 minutes, so tune in at 5.45 for the Bulls against UConn. And then tomorrow, 3.45 airtime, Bulls against Louisville. Sunday is the game against Charlotte. Jay Retcher will be on the call for that one, 1.30 scheduled time. Each day, the other two teams are playing before the Bulls, so the action actually starts at 2 o'clock Friday afternoon with Charlotte against Louisville. Saturday at noon, Charlotte plays UConn, and then Sunday at 9 a.m., Louisville and UConn. If you look at the D1 baseball projected field of 64, yeah, there's still a lot of games to be played. In fact, the whole season before we get to the actual tournament unveiling, but he had all three of the Bulls' opponents making the field of 64. Last year, Charlotte and UConn were both two seeds in their regionals. He has Charlotte and Louisville, which missed out on the tournament, as two seeds with UConn getting in as a four seed. Of course, the Bulls have played them plenty. They've played all these teams plenty of times. USF has played UConn more than 60 times. Last matchup, actually, I remember, was back in 2019 as the Bulls were closing out the ballpark that was really a high school field before they renovated their facilities at UConn, and now they have a beautiful stadium, which hopefully the Bulls can visit one day. But in that day, as I clearly remember, the Bulls had a chance to close out J.O. Christian Field, and it just didn't seem like it was going to happen in the Bulls' favor. They had to win a doubleheader on the last day to basically still have a chance to make the conference tournament, and they did. seemed like a lot of things were going against them, and they won that series. So I don't know if UConn will be out for revenge, but that was the last time those teams played three seasons ago. We'll get to the opponents, but here's some final stuff from Billy Mole. I thought it was interesting because you heard him say on yesterday's show how a couple of freshmen are maybe working their way into the lineup in Marcus Bodiel and Jackson Mayo, but also Ben Rosenblum is probably going to be a starter of the transfer from FIU. Overall on the lineup and the real question, the pitching staff. Well, I feel good about the lineup right now. Um, you know, we obviously lost Jake Sullivan and Riley Hogan, who are everyday players for us last year, but we got seven returners plus the, the incoming guys, so I feel good there. Uh, obviously, I feel good with our weekend rotation and, you know, what to do with Orion Kirkering still – 
to be determined, but he's one of the best closers in the country, so we have that piece. I guess the thing I'm waiting to see how it plays out is our depth in our bullpen. A um, lot of inexperience back there right now, a lot of talented guys, but a lot of guys who haven't done it when the lights come on. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I, I had the conversation with them the, uh, you know, a year ago. I didn't think Logan Lyle was going to be what Logan Lyle did for us last year. And Logan Lyle goes out and throws up a sub-2 ERA and is one of our best guys. So there's a lot of unknowns, I should say, in the pitching staff. It's not that I'm concerned about it. It's just there's not much experience. Starting rotation has not been announced yet. I would be stunned if it's not Jack Jaciak tonight. Brad Lord probably tomorrow. And then if you've been paying attention, Orion Kirkring could slot in as a starter. I think they still want him out of the pen. This could be a situation where, you know, if there's a chance to close the game out in one of the first two games of the series, you use him then. And if you don't have to use him, then he goes as kind of a, you know, four or five inning guy to start off the third game. Then you have a great starter for your Sunday starter. There absolutely are other options, but you just heard it a little bit inexperienced. So that'll certainly be something that we focus on at the beginning of the season. You look around the American, and we'll do that again at the end of the hour at about 10 till. You see only one other school, that'd be Houston, taking this approach of going into an event this weekend. Everybody else is playing a traditional series, many of them against, well, three natural wins. But the Bulls aren't going to have many of those series in non-conference play. Billy Mole wanted to talk about putting together this schedule. I mean, obviously, I always I want one marquee series before we go into conference play so that's kind of how the opening weekend round robin kind of came about um, and then obviously being a southern school there's a lot of northern teams looking for places to go so Stony Brook who's been to the College World Series in the past I thought they were interesting they had a good year last year you know obviously the Ivy Leagues didn't play last year but Brown Brown's going to come down actually coach Dirkak worked with one of their head coach back in the day um, who else we got coming in? We got Bradley, who was in the Missouri Valley, which that's where I used to be when I was an assistant. Um, always have a, a, a good program. And then Mercer. Mercer is one of the better teams in the state of Georgia. They're a regional team every year. So trying to build up that RPI before we get into conference play. I think I know the answer, but how do you feel about a more normal schedule as far as three-game series and then you throw in the fourth guy midweek instead of a four-game series. The, the fact that we don't have to play four nine-inning games, which I think last year we played back-to-back four games three times, uh, that was that was a marathon. Um, so it would be nice to kind of get back to a normal routine of three-game weekend and a midweek game and obviously having our fans back in the park. Oh, yes, fans in the park. That is going to be outstanding. One more from Coach Mole. A lot has been made of Drew Brutcher and what he did as a freshman. I had no idea. This is a fantastic story that they were eyeing him as a pitcher. You'll hear that, and then you'll hear Roberto Pena use the phrase P.O., which I thought meant put out, but actually pitcher only. Check this out. Drew Brutcher, the hyped-up slugger for the Bulls, was originally supposed to be a pitcher. You know, the funny part was I thought he was going to be a real big impact on the mound for us. You know, he was up to 92, 93 on the mound, six foot six, not a very comfortable at bat. And, uh, you know, dealt with a little arm thing, so we kind of shut him down and just let him hit. And I'll never forget the first day I threw him BP out here on the field, and I threw a ball about that far off the plate, and he took it. Um, that's not normal for freshmen. Normally freshmen are getting up, and it looks like they're swatting at mosquitoes. Um, but he, he just had a mature approach. Um, just the game comes very easy to him. Like he, he sees the game a little bit slower than everybody else does. The first time I saw him take a swing in the cages, they told me he was a PO, and I saw him, and I was like, that kid's going to hit. 
And as the fall went by, he started hitting. And I've played with a lot of good players in my whole life, and he's definitely up there. I've told Mo plenty of times. He's a he's a special talent, and I can't wait to see what he could do with a full year, man. He's a he's special. Payne is pretty good too. You look at Carmine Lane, Daniel Cantu. Those are four sluggers coming back from last season, along with. Captain Clutch, Jared Eaton, and then you have some newcomers that could work their way into the lineup. Be interested to see that first lineup card that we get today, and we'll pass it along to you shortly after our 5.45 airtime. Now, today's opponent has some reloading to do. The Yukon Huskies were unanimously picked to win the Big East following doing it last year with a late surge in the regular season, won their last six games. However, they have lost six big-time players, in fact, six Big East performers to the draft and or graduation. Kyler Fedko is their amazing right fielder. Is gone. Reggie Crawford was their slugging first baseman. Had 13 home runs last year. He also pitched last year, but he had to have Tommy John surgery. So he is not going to be able to play this season. Or at least certainly won't pitch. They have gone deep into the portal. So we will see a lot of new names. They're excited about this Ben Huber, a left-handed pitcher from Limestone college it's too many to run down here on the show believe me we'll do them for you as they come to the dish and or the mound today on the broadcast which again will begin at 5:45. tomorrow's opponent is louisville and they are kind of out for revenge i mean not sure they're out to avenge because last year they were the ones that themselves lost enough games down the stretch to not get included in the ncaa tournament but they've kind of got that chip on their shoulder of course another former conference foe of the Bulls. Until not making it last year, they had made the NCAA tournament every year since 2012 and went to the College World Series in 2019, their last appearance. In fact, they've been there five times since 2007. So they're ready to roll again with their veteran coach, Dan McDonald. He's been their head coach since 2006. By the way, Jim Penders for UConn entering his 20th season there. They had the top three base stealers in the ACC last year, so get ready for a lot of work if you're the Bulls catcher. Levi Usher was the number one guy, and he will probably be right atop their order. He returns. He had 26 steals, only got caught twice. Looks like the Bulls will go up against Jared Poland, who worked his way into the rotation towards the end of last season. They were picked fourth in the ACC's Atlantic Division. Now the ACC is stacked. They were behind Florida State, NC State, and Notre Dame, all outstanding programs. And again, that'll be the Saturday opponent for the Bulls. And then Sunday going up against Charlotte, and do not sleep on this game because Charlotte, not only a future conference foe of the Bulls, but they had their first 40-win season last year since 2011, went 24-8 and in the Conference USA. That ended a drought of 10 years as far as making the postseason. They have the conference's player of the year coming back, Austin Knight, hit 342, a nation-leading 29 doubles. Now, they were picked to finish fourth in Conference USA, but behind some pretty good programs, including two, Old Dominion and La Tech that hosted regionals last year. So Jay Retch will be on the call. That'll be the Sunday game at 1.30. We won't have the broadcast of softball, but we'll tell you about the opponents. Man, oh man, are they Stacked, also previewing the other action from this weekend, as well as a recap of last night's men's basketball defeat against East Carolina when we return to Bulls Beat.